If people are paid a minimum wage that makes sense, then we would keep attracting to certain parts of the state all of these people that want near slave labor and not pay people. And these are some of the same people that are being exposed to the coronavirus. And they're deemed essential workers. If they're essential, pay them like they're essential. All righty, kids. It is a another fantastic week of uh, Alabama politics this week. It's as uh, Josh Moon. I'm uh, here with, uh, as always, with uh, my fantastic uh, co-host of this thing, which is David Person. Yeah. Well, I've never been called a fantastic co-host before. Well, uh, it's probably because you've always been the, the lead host, <laughs> and or you've just been the host. I mean, you've not been the co-host; you've just been the host. You know, and well, so yeah, I've been a few times. Yeah, I've never been called the fantastic anything, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's you know. Uh, <laughs> That's how it goes, I guess, in life. But uh, I, I think yours is more of, uh, of a, a circumstance of you have never been in the role of being like co-host. And so well, I've been just for the record to keep the record clear. Mm-hmm. I've been calling you a fantastic columnist oh. for about ten or fifteen years. So. Well, I appreciate that. I yeah, do appreciate yeah. that. And uh, we, we we had a talk. Apparently, I was on uh, on your show some some years back, and, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 had a had a fantastic time, which I remember completely. Uh, <laughs> Well, it was five o'clock, so I, I don't blame you. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a five o'clock show, so you probably yeah, you know what was out. you know what was happening there. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right, we uh, we we do have a a, a really good show uh, here uh, for you today. Catherine Flowers will join us here in a little while. She awesome. is awesome. Uh, yeah, a great lady I've, I've known for a while, uh, and uh, and she is now working with the with the Biden campaign. She does some stuff with the Equal Justice Initiative, uh, and 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 mainly focused on environmental justice and things mm-hmm. like that. So uh, we'll talk to her. She, and that's kind of what she's doing for, for the Biden campaign as yeah, well. Uh, she's, yeah. Yeah. So that, uh, that'll be a very, very interesting uh, interview. And, uh, you know, but uh, we'll start off with our, our news of the, of the week. And, and I don't, I don't think there's probably in the state, uh, there are probably two big stories uh, at this point. One is uh, they came much earlier, the, the budget's passing and, and KIV kind of, uh, playing the uh, the Republican legislature like a like a top there. I mean, it, uh, she made them look really kind of foolish uh, with the with the bickering back and forth. And mm-hmm. um, you know, when she put out her plan for how to use the CARES money, uh, you know, and they had their plan for using it for a state house, and all, you know, it just she really really forced their hand and and made them look kind of foolish. And they they really it it, it kind of goes to show you what I what I've been saying for a while is that we have elected some really dumb people. Yeah, uh, because that, you know how do you walk into that? Well, I mean, that I, just seems so painfully obvious. Yeah, I mean, you're supposed to be the party of fiscal responsibility really? and it's not even just the walking into it the walking into it is bad enough it's also i mean first of all you would ever put that on a list to, to be circulated around it's, right. it's a nonsense it's crazy you put it on paper but then to come back out and to defend it that's what <laughs> that's what got them is when they didn't come back out and say oh whoa 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. we weren't really serious about that we just, we had that down there in case 
you know, we had $200 million laying around at the end of this and we needed to spend it real fast. That's what we could have spent it on, you know, and, but they didn't do that. They, yeah. they said, Oh no, that's a, that's a really good use of the money or, you know, we could, we could really do that. And, and, and it just, you know, led to her playing them like a drum, getting exactly what she wanted out of this and, and cutting the legs out from underneath Del Marsh, which I will say, I don't necessarily trust that, that this is the end of it. I think once it's sent over there uh, to them, they'll, they'll, finagle the money around a little mm. bit which is kind of their mo but, but they'll have the eyes of the people on them now more than in their own party which i think is interesting no they won't those so? people you don't care of course we're always asleep at the wheel you know i gotta say i think i think that 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 you and i see this i see this a lot in the in your writing the uh-huh. brilliant piece that you wrote about prisons that we're going to no, talk you. about later um, I, I think you really have, you have hit rock bottom with the people in Alabama. That's what I think. I think you have, you have, you are 99%, uh, you have 99% given up on it. Well, look, here, here's, here's my problem. Okay. Is, is the reality of the numbers. And the reality of the numbers is this, is that a, a good, strong 60% of this state are Republicans and they are going to vote for the Republican no matter what. All Still right. And they are going to vote for them and they are going to not care at all what happens. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, uh, you know, you look at what happened in Birmingham. Uh, and I wrote something about this earlier in the week, uh, where, uh, you had Luther Strange, who was the AG at the time, uh, and Robert Bentley, the governor at the time, essentially write, filling out form letters uh, for a company that was accused of polluting and possibly killing you know thousands of kids in, in, in North Birmingham. You know they're they're helping out the polluter over there, yeah. and in exchange, you can draw a straight line to the money going into their campaign accounts from the polluter. And if Luther Strange had run against Doug Jones, he would have won in a landslide. And that's that's the reason. That's what I'm saying is. We we've drawn it up to teams, uh, and and now if you've got an R on your jersey, uh, there they don't care. They're going to vote for you because that's what their friends are voting for. They don't know any better. They're going to walk in. They're going to vote for the R. They're going to walk out of there, and they're going to pretend like they own the libs by owning themselves. So, do you think this is the? Do you think this is the dark side of 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 really what we're dealing with? Is the a byproduct of the dark side of Alabama? Uh, collegiate sports and that people have been conditioned Mm -hmm. basically just to, you know, I'm either Auburn or Alabama, Mm -hmm. that's it, to the day I die. And we've been sort of conditioned to think about things and to see life through this prism. I think that's some of it. I also think that the Democratic Party has done a a particularly poor job of giving people other reasons to to join that team. Uh, That's a good point. uh, and, And when I say that, uh, I, what I mean by that is is that they have often presented themselves as an opposition to the Republican Party instead of finding different avenues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll give you a great example of that, and that it's in Kentucky uh, right now, where the Democratic Party there uh, backed – got themselves aligned with the teachers' unions. And the teachers' union filled with Republican voters there, but, but they put a candidate up there that said, hey – we're going to oppose this crap that's happening to you in your job. Get behind us. Get behind us on this. We're going to knock. We're going to knock some of this stuff down. We're going to get your funding right. We're going to protect your benefits and your pay and your health insurance and everything that goes along with it. And we're going to make it happen for you. All right. And we have. I don't know what's happened with the relationship of the Democratic Party, uh, the Alabama Education Association, and 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 some, you know it just. 
we've got a we've got to get AEA back to where it once was. Well, that's exactly what I was going to bring up in light of what you said. So yeah. we've seen a deterioration mm-hmm. with the with Paul Hubbard's yeah. you know death. Mm-hmm. We've seen a decline in the influence and the impact of AEA. And yeah. Is that really is that sort of at the root of this? I would say that yeah, I, you know, and, and I'll say this too now. Um, uh, you know, AEA was probably a tad bit too powerful. Uh, you know, I think when you get to that, you, you, and you've seen it with BCA, uh, got to be too powerful, and they oh, knocked uh, Bill Canary out of there. I think you're seeing it now with the Porch Creek Indians to a certain degree, where some people are taking, uh, you know, a little bit of umbrage with what they're doing and and throwing some weight around, and the, and people don't like it when you oh. get to be too powerful and you get to be and, and you dictate too much of what's happening. Uh, and so I think AEA was able because Paul Hubbard was such a you know, there's a difference. When I talk about electing stupid people now and having stupid people running around the state running things, uh, I, I compare it to that time period where, where Paul Hubbard and, and these folks were just, they were, you can say they were as corrupt and you would, you know, at times, and maybe you would be right about some of them, but the way they handled business and the intelligence in, in which they handled it and the way that they treated each other and the way that they went about negotiating things and bringing people in uh, and doing stuff, it was so much smarter and so much more professional, I guess you would say. And, and you, you you just don't see that now. And you see, it's just, and that's the reason why we have so many of these dumb things. That's the reason why people lean on such stupid things as Confederate memorial nonsense and stuff because they're dumb. They don't have any other way to do it. And so this is what you get. You get the stupid government you deserve, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so, but we've divided that into those teams now and we've not done a good job of, of getting a message out to to people that focuses on their needs, on their on what what will drive them to vote for the Democratic candidate, uh, you know, and it needs to start at, at more base levels uh, than yeah. than that. And I think at local levels you can do that and stack your school boards and stack your you know you know look the biggest state the biggest cities in this state where all the money is controlled are run by Democrats for yeah. the most part. I mean Tommy yeah. Battle up here is essentially you know yeah. Republican right. Uh, Republican light, you know what I mean? I mean, he's not a... Uh, some ways, but, uh, you know, he didn't campaign like that during the Google well, he election. Well, he couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't do that. Yeah, well, he had a choice. I, I think, you know, I, I just, I refuse to accept the fact that that he had to, to do things like endorse Roy Moore. Oh, he had to. He had to. Uh, had he to. didn't have to endorse Roy Moore. He had to, he had to do that uh, because, because it doesn't affect him here. Uh, as much as it does around the state, and so he needed to he needed to up those credentials with the folks in the wiregrass who are insane. Right. Um, and and look, I, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm not excusing what he yeah, did. Yeah, Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah. I'm not excusing it at all. I'm just saying that in reality. Tommy Battle is not a hardline Republican, you know. Uh, but so you have these cities that are controlled by by Democrats, and, and most of the city councils are, are Democrats. You know, most of the county commissions are Democrats in those in those big city areas. That's where all the money is. You know, you can say whatever you want to say about what what's happening at the state level with funding and road funding and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. All, a lot of that stuff is allocated through those people and mm-hmm. your businesses and things like that are allocated. So. Democrats need to figure out a plan for using that to their advantage uh, and get some of these businesses and some of these big, you know, the the big money guys back on their side through these things and to start pushing those things out and start getting some some people in, with viable options there. Well, give them a viable option. Uh, make them 
attractive. You know, if you've got to do a moderate, do a moderate, okay? But make somebody who's attractive that you can get back in and stop this supermajority. I would argue that if you're talking statewide, there's only one path, and that is the moderate path. And I'm saying that as Mm -hmm. a very liberal person. But Uh, I I don't think any Democrat is going to be elected who is as liberal as I am, because I'm pro-gay marriage, I'm yeah. pro-choice, I, you know, I'm, I'm way to the left. you got to have somebody who is going to be more moderate and who is also going to be more conciliatory, somebody mm-hmm. who's not going to, de- and I think Doug Jones has done a good job of this. He has articulated his points of view without mm-hmm. denigrating the other side. Yeah. And that's what you, and you got to do that if you're going to win statewide. I, I think, well, statewide, certainly. Uh, you know, but if we can, if you could break it into districts, I think a lot, there are, there are a lot more districts in play, uh, than people would have you believe, uh, there because the numbers are not that far off. And so if you got a person in there, uh, and you identified, I'll tell you this, what, what Doug Jones and that campaign has done, uh, and a lot of what Bloomberg did here, uh, was to drill down into the demographics there, into some very, very specific demographics uh, and and pick apart some of these districts, I think, in, in ways that will help them uh, if they're smart about it and, and getting, you know, getting people out to vote for, for certain candidates there. And and so maybe that'll help. But because I don't think a lot of them are, are that far off. And what you're wanting to do more than anything is to break up that supermajority first. You know, that should be the main goal. And I think that he is, but you haven't talked to Anthony Daniels and some of the other folks. I think, you know, just that that first goal of getting enough people in there to break up the supermajority so they have to come to you to mm-hmm. negotiate things, yeah. you know, and get your and that that gives you a strong voice at that point mm-hmm. uh, to, to negotiate some things. And I think if you can do that and put candidates out there and look, the other the other big thing is putting candidates out there, you know, yeah. putting putting viable people out there that that will draw voters in, uh, you know, and, and I don't think that they've necessarily done that very well over the well, last. The party's week. been broken. Yeah. The party's been horribly broken. And now. Hopefully, we're on the path to seeing the party healed and fixed so that it can function in a way where we can pull together these all of these things that have to be done. You're talking about messaging. You're talking about the caliber and quality of candidates. Mm -hmm. You're talking about just fielding, you know, uh, uh, fielding a full slate of candidates. Yes. You know, you're talking about finding the right kind of message. You're talking about relevance, Mm -hmm. you know, hitting people where they are. You know, we used to call that kitchen table issues. Yes. You know, that's what it takes. And and the Democratic Party has got to be smarter about it and more intentional and aggressive. Yeah. And hopefully with this new regime and and hopefully they're working on healing things with the old regime, or at least I think with the so. ADC. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we can move forward. I think that 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 has a lot of that work has been done uh, there. Hopefully, uh, you know what. Uh, but it's just a, it is a work in progress. It's a, yeah. you know, but that, that's the reason why I'm, you know, back to your original point about this. That's the reason why I am, I am kind of down on, on a lot of the people here is that, you know, you're just not, it's so, so mindless, you know, it's so, it's so stupid. Uh, really, the way that, that that they've gone in and voted for people, and you know, you hear them talk about things, and you listen to their conversations, or you wa- look, read their Facebook posts about stuff, and it, it's just so dumb. You know, it's just you 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 
talk to them about you know if some person working a, a job where they're making thirty or forty or fifty thousand dollars a year and raising a couple of kids and stuff and you know uh, living in a middle class neighborhood here and you listen to them talk about who they're going to vote for and you're like the hell are you voting for that person for you know mm-hmm. the person has done nothing for your public schools that person has done nothing to make sure that your job protects you and your insurance and your your way of life and your family and it doesn't yeah. you know and you can say well i don't need government to do that and that's sort of phony self-reliance nonsense well, that they pushed delusional yeah of course it is and the people who are succeeding are getting all the help they're there every day with their hand right. out they're every day tax breaks they're trying to get yes. set asides they're, whatever they can do yep. they're trying to do and they're taking well, I'm telling it. you at the same time yeah. you don't need, uh, pull you yourself don't need up. government yeah. yeah pull yourself up by your own bootstraps it's the you biggest know? damn okie doke that we've seen <laughs> and, I mean, and they've convinced them know. they've totally convinced them that this this yeah. reliance this reliance wherever well, i'm gonna rely on myself i don't need the government to do anything nobody's talking about you needing the government to do anything but hell it wouldn't hurt you would it right. would it help you out you right. know right. Right. it just doesn't you know they're getting it why shouldn't you you know, why shouldn't why shouldn't the government that we put in place that we pay for that we fund? Right. Why shouldn't it work for you and right. people like you? Right. And that's all. It's been it's such insanity to me. But, but you know, speaking of not working for for anybody, uh, the uh, the latest numbers uh, for our COVID nineteen, uh, which I think this is a record. Uh, here's the longest we've gone without mentioning it at the top of the show. Yeah, uh, in a while. Yeah. Um, uh, we're doing poorly. <laughs> know if you paid attention there? no shock, you know? uh, it's almost like somebody said a few weeks ago hey y'all going about your life uh, but be careful out there and uh, you know so you know, montgomery mayor stephen reed this week said that they're out of icu beds there i got one and one in the whole tri-county mm-hmm. area mm-hmm. um it, it's uh that's desperation time you know and and they're having to send people to birmingham at this point uh to to get treatment for things and it's you you see the numbers on the on the website they're ticking up every day uh you know and and more testing doesn't explain it all hospitalization numbers are also up across the board um i you know well look i'm gonna tell you this i i never you know it never ceases to amaze me i go grocery shopping probably one one day out of the week, uh, mm-hmm. try to knock it out. And I always, always see people in the grocery store without masks on. Mm-hmm. You know, I, in fact, I actually watched a man, uh, 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 this, this guy was coming into public mm-hmm. and in front of me, the, the, you know, Publix has a person stationed there to clean carts, right? Mm-hmm. The the woman was offering the man a cart that had been cleaned, or she was offering him something, something to help him further sanitize. Yeah. The guy rejected it. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I don't need that. And I just looked, I was like, my God, is he insane? Clean, you know, man. You know, it's just, there is a, there is a lack, it, it's a total sense of denial that I just see across the board. When it comes to COVID nineteen, that's absolutely frightening. It's all a hoax. Have you tried taking hydroxychloroquine? Because I hear that it's a great preventative. That's um, what I keep hearing uh, at these press conferences. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's a great uh, uh, a great preventative, from what I understand. Um, 
you know, the president uh, today, uh, uh, this was his statement today about how, how well it's helped him. Mm-hmm. I, I swear to God, this is verbatim. All okay, right. This is right. verbatim. Okay. I tested very positively in another sense. Uh, so this morning I tested positively toward negative, right? No, I tested perfectly this morning, meaning I tested negative, but that's a way of saying it positively toward the negative. Was he drunk? I think it's just his normal. Is he high? I think it's just his normal uh, sort of, sort of speaking. Uh, what the heck was that? What did that even mean? Well, uh, I think that means that hydroxychloroquine is working great, and the Trump family is heavily invested. So please buy it. Uh, and you know what? That wouldn't surprise me at all. It wouldn't surprise anybody. That's uh, at all. But listen, we're we're gonna have to, you know, we're gonna have to do something here. Numbers are going up. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess. I guess we're gonna have to do something. I uh, mean, maybe maybe everybody's just satisfied at this point to just see how it plays out. I don't know. Uh, God help us. I know. No, no. All right, let's. Uh, I tell you, let's slide out of here and and, and maybe talk about happier things with uh, with Catherine Flowers in just a moment. All right, we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back in uh, Alabama politics this week, uh, Josh Moon, David Person, and we are uh, joined now. Happy to to have her here, uh, Catherine Flowers, who is the founder for the Center for Inter- uh, Rural Enterprise and Environmental Justice, uh, among <laughs> many other roles. Uh, yeah, uh, and and uh, Catherine, I, it's it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us, and we're, we're going to kind of talk about some of the uh, the impacts of, of COVID nineteen uh, in Alabama, especially in central Alabama around the Montgomery area. Thank you for having me here. Um, I just feel that this is, you know, we're at a moment in history where um, this is pretty pivotal pivotal in terms of whether or not we go backwards or whether or not we go forward. So thank you. So, I, Catherine, we know that, uh, you know, you're not here to talk politics, but we do need to acknowledge at least that you have been appointed to a task force uh, that's, a, I guess, a subtask force of the Biden campaign. We don't want you to talk politics, but just can you give us at least a sense of how that came to be? Well, I think that um, uh, a lot of it uh, is because of the work that I've been doing, especially trying to magnify the voices of people that are generally not at the table. And apparently some people heard that and they wanted to make sure that 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 voice was was um, was present. A lot of the work that I've been doing has been around you know, wastewater and water infrastructure, but it also intersects with so many other things uh, as it relates to environmental justice and climate change. And apparently there were some people that heard my voice and um, and liked the perspective that that I was trying to bring to the forefront. And that's how I ended up serving. And I'm happy to serve with um, a number of other people who've been doing various things in their own um in their own areas. But, uh, but yeah, 
<laughs> that's all I can say about it right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, that's, I, listen, I, I think uh, just given your background, with there there are plenty of other things that that we can uh, any pathways that we can go down here, and and I guess just. Uh, first of all, we mentioned kind of in the opening, uh, uh, didn't really drill down into it very much, but just that uh, numbers are, of, of COVID-19 cases are, are going up in the state. Uh, and, and particularly in the Montgomery area where uh, Mayor Stephen Reed yesterday said that they were essentially out of ICU beds and that they are having to transport patients to uh, to Birmingham at this point. Um, and I, I don't. I'll say I don't know that this is necessarily a surprise to many people who have spent time in and around Montgomery and that in the central Alabama area, knowing uh, the levels of of poverty and the lacks of of insurance and things like that that have gone on there and in the Black Belt area. Um, this, it should should I be more surprised by these numbers, or is this something that you could see coming from a mile away? It's something that I could see coming from a mile away because I think that a lot of Decisions that are being made are not dictated, not just here in Montgomery, but from the national level um, from the federal government are not being dictated by science and medicine. It's being dictated by politics. Because of that, then people are being sacrificed. Uh, but we can't have a good economy if you don't have healthy people. And, at, and, and, that is, uh, and that's what's being sacrificed. But I, I think that um, what else, the other thing that I'm seeing that's kind of discouraging to me a lot of people just simply not taking it seriously. You know, I see people not socially distancing. I see people not wearing masks. Um, I see groups of young people walking around. And I don't live, and this is not West Montgomery. This is East Montgomery. So for some reason, white people think that it will not impact them. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if, if you're unfamiliar with that, with that reference, uh, you know, the, uh, that, that's essentially the dividing line uh, when, when people talk about black and white Montgomery is okay. you know, West Montgomery and East Montgomery. And uh, and, and, and so yeah, I was going to say, is it uh, what what do you attribute to that to that? I mean, what 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 do you think the cause is behind the, the folks just kind of ignoring this? Well, I think some people just, you know, it's the willing suspense of disbelief. It's just like the people that were shooting themselves up with disinfectant when uh, someone said that that was a way to treat the coronavirus. And I think it, with the lack of leadership that we have coming from the federal level uh, to address this, a lot of people are using that as um, as an excuse to look the other way. Some people believe that it's more like a common flu uh, because that's what they've heard. You know, in the beginning when this was going on, people were saying it was politics, it was a hoax. Um, I think all of those factors are influencing the lack of, of attention and the lack of seriousness that people are taking to address this unless they are touched themselves. When their families are impacted by it, then it changes. But a lot of people apparently haven't seen it yet, but they're getting ready to see it. I expected um, when the state was open up just before Mother's Day, I anticipated that there was going to be an influx of um, that we were going to have more cases here. And, And then we got Memorial Day coming up. So people are out shopping. Uh, I understand. I haven't been out because I, I'm not taking a chance with it because I know the coronavirus is the role of the, you know, the role of the draw. You can get the draw where you are asymptomatic or you can get the draw where it can take you out of here. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to play with it like that. But but my friends that are out and people that do have to go out are telling me that um, 
they that the stores are full and a lot of people are not wearing masks. Uh, the restaurants are full. The bars are full. Mm. So they're not taking it seriously. I understand uh, one young person mentioned to me that they're talking about planning something like a freak dick here in Montgomery this week. Really? So, you know, it's those kinds of things where, where leadership um, on the city level, I know that they're trying to have this dance with business so they can make money. But at the same time, if you have the hospitals are overflowing and the, the doctors cannot handle the cases that are coming in, what do we do? There may have to be some restrictions that are put in place so that certain things cannot happen and there and it can manage to spread where the city would not be in jeopardy. So Catherine, you know the uh of course, I think you're right on point with everything you're saying. But there is a complicated other side to this, especially in the black community and other communities where you have a significant number of people who are not white collar workers with the ability to work at home remotely. You know, people that have really limited options in terms of income and resources. And so for them, this whole idea of just shutting down, you know, and staying at home, you know, puts them in another kind of jeopardy. I won't say danger because maybe that's too low to the word, but jeopardy. What do you what do you say to that and to the people who have expressed those concerns? I understand that it's like being caught between the devil and the deep blue sea. It 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 is um it is it is what it's doing is uncovering the structural inequalities when it comes to this economy. And it shouldn't be where the people that are essential workers are the lowest paid, have no insurance coverage, and they have to be the ones to risk putting their families at risk because when they go out and then they go home, they're, they, they're possibly taking the the coronavirus with them. Um, I was in the in the case of um, one of my uh, someone from from I'm from Lowndes County, Alabama, and somebody from Lowndes County, a young man, passed away, and he and from what I understand, he catch it, you know, going out to the grocery store potentially, he caught it at work, and and it ended up taking his life. Now you have a family without a father. Mm-hmm. and you have a family, and 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 his wife and others could potentially have been exposed as well. And so there's so many, there's so many in, inequities in the current structure that we have to change, that we're, this is going to continue to be a problem because the only thing it's doing is creating more problems instead of creating solutions. And, and, and those people, for example, even when you look at the people that got money, the businesses that got money to supposedly uh, maintain their payrolls, a lot of those big businesses didn't need the money, but the small businesses that needed it didn't get it. Mm-hmm. That's the way our system has been designed, and it's not fair because most of us are not in the 10%. Right. And most so, of us are in the 90%, and those things really need to change. So from a, policy desi- from a policy standpoint, what would you design or what would you recommend if, if, if we had the kind of state government where we could where we knew we had the people in place who from a policy standpoint would be 
um, sensitive to what you're talking about and want to make changes, what would you be recommending? Well, one of the things that I recommend that we would expand Medicaid um, in this state, Medicare, we would make sure that everybody had access to insurance coverage because now we is needed. You know, I want the other the other side of this is how many people are going to go home with hospital bills they can't pay? Mm-hmm. How many families are going to be sued by hospitals to try to collect the money because they have no other way of the hospital doesn't have another way and the and the family doesn't have a way of paying it. So we that's one of the things we would do. I think that we should make sure that that everybody has access to adequate health care. And then we should make sure that that um that the that we have a public system that's well funded. That we don't have that. Everything has been gutted to the bare minimum. And now when we have a crisis, when government should step up, government can't step up. Yeah. Then the third thing I would say is that we need to pay a a decent wage to workers, to essential workers. I think there should be a mandatory minimum wage of at least $15 an hour. Because if people are paid, uh, if people are paid, a minimum wage that makes sense, then we would keep attracting to certain parts of the state all of these people that want near slave labor and not pay people. And these are some of the same people that are being exposed to the coronavirus. And they're deemed essential workers. If they're essential, pay them like they're essential. Yeah, you know, it, I, you mentioned a few things there that you know I wanted to talk about. One is the, the this... The, the number of people who are going to lose their health care out of this is, is going to be staggering, uh, assuming that they had it to begin with, um, because, you know, all of it is tied. Most people's health care is tied to their jobs. And so you look at the job losses uh, and in places like, uh, you know, just kind of leaning back on, on your previous work here you know, in, in Lowndes County in the, in the Black Belt area with the wastewater situations and um, just uh, I, can you even fathom what this is going to look like in a, in a year from now uh, in terms of the healthcare situation in those areas? Oh, clearly, without any changes, it's going to be worse. I, I, I've, I've been worried about Lowndes County before the numbers started going up, before they started really doing testing in Lowndes County uh, on the level that they're doing it now. Uh, I was very concerned. And Lowndes County is a hot spot in the state. Mm-hmm. And- Last week, I read one article. They said it was the second; it was at the second highest um, rate of infection in the state of Alabama. But if if if, and I've also been reading a lot of studies on 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 COVID, and I was very concerned about whether or not it is shed in the feces, and it is. So, one of the things that we know about Lowndes County and some other parts of the Black Belt too, and some of these small towns, these wastewater treatment systems are not working. And when they fail, there is coming back into people's homes or in their yards. So that means they get everybody's wastewater, including their feces, and coming, you know, into their own their property. And mm-hmm. I, I'm concerned about whether or not it could create more disease. There, we're going to have to study that to see. I don't know, but I'm concerned also is that if you're exposed to this, your your immune system is not as strong because mm-hmm. you're exposed to intestinal parasites. We recently did a study. I'm still in partnership with Baylor's National School of Tropical Medicine. And 
uh, the study that we did, we looked at five states, and most, and they are all southern states, including South Carolina, was Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas, and just looked at the soils. We didn't look at fecal samples like we did in Lowndes County, and we found evidence of intestinal parasites there. Um, so, and that's going through peer review now. When people are exposed to intestinal parasites, they're going to have access. Um, they're they're going to have medical problems related to that, and that's what we're that's what we're seeing. Believe and and those those healthcare disparities. Also, Lowndes County is very poor. Uh, there's no hospital there. A lot of the uh, infections are coming from um, some some of the infections are coming from. The, uh, there's a nursing home there uh, with senior citizens. So I think we have to, um, there are lots of disparities. You know, there are people dealing with uh, lots of asthma. That, that concerned me too, because when the doctor from Baylor came down the first time, he was, one of the things he found out every home we went to, the people talk about having asthma. That's why he knew to look for certain kinds of parasites because of the high incidence of, of, of asthma that was in the area. And since we know that this starts off as a respiratory infection, that that would make people compromise. And we just, it, there's a lot, lot that we're going to have to do to address these disparities. First of all, we're going to have to make sure that people have the right type of infrastructure so they can deal with wastewater. Uh, we need to make sure that they have broadband so they can get information. There are a lot of people in, in the Black Belt, not just in Lowndes County. I mean, you go so far into the Black Belt uh, or so far into Lowndes County, just outside of Montgomery, you can't even get a phone signal, let alone mm-hmm. access mm-hmm. to broadband. Mm-hmm. So I'm concerned about people getting proper information. If the, if the only way you're going to get information is through cable, television, or you're going to get it through uh, through the Internet, um, because you know a lot of these networks broadcast over over the internet. How are they getting that accurate information? Yeah. All students that are not in school, how are they getting? Uh, how are they getting their lessons? I know that there were teachers that were actually putting together packages at the school, and they were coming to pick them up every week. That defeated the purpose of social distancing and <laughs> and making sure that the children were at home. Yeah. So, those kinds of things that we're going to have to address in places like Lowndes County and the Black Belt, or we're going to continue to be the third world of the United States of America. Have you uh, have you had any conversations with, uh, with with state officials and and you know or or just local officials uh, in these areas there that uh, and what have if you have what have they been like and and do you, do you have any confidence at all that that we can we can kind of transform. Uh, those areas, or at least kind of uh, adequately address what's taking place. I haven't had any recent conversations with with state state officials or um, local officials, but what I can tell you is that a lot of local officials are kind of hamstrung. If they talk about the problem, then they can't get the little bit of, in terms of the crumbs that they give them. So if I complain about my wastewater system not working in my town and what's going on then the little bit of money that I might be getting from the state, I may not get that. So they feel like they can't say anything, that they can't really complain, and they get upset if I say anything about it. Mm-hmm. So that has been a problem. Uh, in terms of state officials, you know, I, we currently have a, um, 
we currently have, an, have a complaint that's been filed uh, with Health and Human Services against the state health department that initially when we did the parasite study, they put on their website that it was not true. <laughs> so this is kind of consistent with what we see happening and in, in how the federal government from the White House on down is addressing the coronavirus instead of dealing with the facts, is trying to pretend like it doesn't exist or altering the facts for the reality that they want to create, mm. which is not true. So, so, which is a false reality. And I think that that's what we're, we're suffering from. We're suffering from that kind of mentality uh, where people are kind of trapped and they don't have a way out, especially if they have no tax base on their own. And the only businesses that they would even send there would be dirty businesses that would exacerbate uh, these, these health problems that people are already suffering from. So, Catherine, as I've been listening to you, I've just been getting more increasingly angry. <laughs> Uh, and and I, it's probably not good for me to be this angry, but I'm. But I've I've just got to ask you a very direct question. Um, I see a couple of villains here, and I know it's it's you know we have to be careful demonizing and villainizing people and organizations. But I see a couple of villains here, and I want to start with the most obvious. You mentioned one, the Alabama Department of Public Health. But the other villain I see is the Alabama Department of Environmental Management. Where the hell is ADM when it comes to dealing with these wastewater systems and these extraordinarily dangerous deficiencies that you're talking about? I, I had a a good friend who passed away who was um, who was involved in SNCC, and he was. Um, if you see pictures of the Selma to Montgomery March, he was right behind John Lewis when they came across the bridge. His name was Bob Mance. Mm-hmm. Bob told me when I first came back to the state, because I've been working on this problem for 18 years, more than 18 years now. He said that, Catherine, everybody in Alabama is two first cousins once removed. Mm. So if people went to school together, and they were in the same program. And even if they design systems that, that fail, there's no, uh, there's no accountability. They walk away from it. And the, the towns are left holding the bag. And what happens, what has happened here in Alabama, is that the big, the industries that pollute, they're slapped on their hands. But the poor families that can't afford the solution are allowed to You know, they're the ones that have to beg, borrow, or steal if they're caught to try to find some kind of remedy. Um, And and I think that that's wrong. It shouldn't be that way. And we have found, for an example, I'm currently working with a family that a donor has come forth to provide a home for this family. The family's living in a mobile home with predatory lending, and, and they've been in that mobile home for years. And still haven't paid for it as a single wide and about to fall apart. Mm. And, but the family um, owns a half acre up the street, up the road from where they live. And that's where the new home is going. And we've looked, um, we, we didn't want to put the home there without putting wastewater treatment there. When they went to the area to uh, do the perk test, we hired a well-known engineering firm that we have a lot of respect for. Um, 
to do the perk test to, to see, you know, what, what the water table was and all that to determine what kind of system to design. The first spot on the land, they struck water and when they went down 15 inches. The other area on the land that they went to in, near the back of the property, they struck water at 25 inches. Hmm. They have high water tables. The type of system that needs to go there is going to cost $28,000 to have it installed. Hmm. Now, we're talking about a person who's raising two children off $1,000 a month. And the system has to be inspected every six months. There's a cost for that. I just found out when I consulted with some engineers outside of the state that it's even going to, that the electric, that it has to have electricity the entire time. So with it having to have electricity to it all the time, that means that her power bill is going to go up. And Josh, I don't know what you heard about the, in the black belt people and some of these elected cooperatives have power bills that are more than their house payment every month. Yes, I have heard about this. And, and it will be even worse in the summertime. Mm-hmm. This is almost like a no-win situation, and it helps you to understand why people in her community have a straight pipe. Mm-hmm. Because you cannot, and then when people talk to me about the problem, they want to talk about it and have a generic solution. You can't have a generic solution. It depends on the water table. Depends on the type of soil that's there. Depends on the elevation of the property. Depends on how many people living in the household. It's all of these. I mean, they they're doing it based on the bedrooms, but also the, you know, the amount of water that is used. There's so many different factors that go into it that you can't go in and say, well, I'm just going to give Lowndes County, you know, six hundred thousand dollars, and we're going to choose two hundred families and give them. I mean, and two hundred families can sign up to get wastewater treatment. That doesn't even make sense because it depends on where they live. There's so many different factors that, that go into to that decision. And I, I think that, that uh, the policies have been written to favor the industry instead of to favor a public health solution. And that's part of the problem. And, and, I, and I don't know why. I think until we put people in place that will appoint folk to these positions, that are doing it based on what's right and not based on how much money they can make and based on politics and, and based on uh, making sure they get this industry in here, even if the industry is bad for the community. I think we're going to continue to have these problems. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to have to jump in for, for David because I think mm-hmm. he's too angry to speak. Uh, and, 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 and listen, it is an infuriating uh scenario and and i mean and i know it it has to be for you to to go down there and and then to see it all tied back into the to the health uh, issues that are taking place that are leading uh to those folks being the most susceptible to this current pandemic that's taking place and listen i well and i would love to hang around and talk more and and to give people you know a true and and accurate picture of of exactly what life is like in a lot of areas where they never dare to venture uh but where people every day good people good good people are living and and doing their best um you know i i wish we could talk about it a whole lot longer and a whole lot more but and maybe we we can get you back on at some point and do that but we're we're kind of up against it now and i know we we probably kept you a little longer than we promised and and Catherine, i really do uh, appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us well thank you so much and 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 if i can do anything to be helpful and even um put you in touch with some other folk that are um that that i think that can um, can help 
speak to this more than I can. And I would like to suggest a guest uh, for you as well, uh, who has been on CNN and MSNBC with Fox News talking about the coronavirus. So uh, we'll follow up on that. And, and he may be, he's one of our partners. Okay. That Alabama needs to hear from him. Sure, we'd love to have him, and and love to get uh, all the knowledgeable uh, and experienced voices out there that we can. We would love to to give them a platform here to to tell people, you know, what actually is going on and what you know the facts are about things. And that's that's kind of the goal of uh, of our podcast is to is to get the the people out there with actual information and science and that kind of stuff that never seem to find their way uh, onto airwaves anywhere else in this state, and and give them kind of a platform to to talk about stuff. But uh, again, I really, really appreciate you, you coming on, and thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, right. Catherine. Bye bye. And uh, that's uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna tell you what. That's the this is the first time in a long time when all I really wanted to do was cuss. Uh, I mean, just you know, just cuss. I mean, hard cussing. I'm talking about that South Side of Chicago cussing that I've been trying to get away from. Listen, it's, it just angers me. Yeah, man. it's tough. It's uh, and if you go down and visit those people and, and you and talk I to have. them, and, I have. yeah, I, I it's, mean, I just, look. I mean, they're just good people, man. I mean, it is. It, it's it's a uh, and you. And, and and people want well, you know, they make excuses and they they come up with reasons and they come up with blame for why it's that way and and, and it's just you know it, it's, have, it's just a bad driven, deal. I have driven around Uniontown, ridden around Uniontown with a with a good man whose whose name is slipping me right now because it's been a minute since I've seen him, but. Driving around with Uniontown, and I've seen what she's talking about. I've seen these wastewater systems that are failing the people in that city. Mm-hmm. I've seen the, the, and talked to people, uh, black and white, who are who are being subjected, and people with means. Some mm-hmm. of these people are not poor people in the mm-hmm. conventional sense of the word. They're retired teachers and whatever else, but they're all suffering under this this. This this horrible, evil system of neglect. Mm-hmm. You got a government that really, literally doesn't give a damn about these people down mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand. And you know what? This is not just a Republican thing either. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, you go back 20, 30 years, I don't care if you're talking about Republicans or Democrats. Mm-hmm. They have not, they have forgotten about the black belt. There have been a, I'll say this, I, one of my major problems with a lot of uh, of, of Democratic politicians, uh, particularly from areas like that, is that they have viewed their role of uh, uh, becoming elected as getting themselves out of it. Yeah. Uh yeah. And, and leaving leaving people behind. Uh and um yeah, and, and it's it's happened more than a few times Ooh. now. Uh now that's not everybody. There are some yeah. good people yeah. who yeah, who continue to go back and do and, and, and give and, yeah. and spend their time, but there have been a lot of folk that there's a reason why it's still the way it is. That's right. right. That's right. And and, and and that's and it's and it's so freaking obvious yeah. that this is going on. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it costs money to fix years. it. It costs money to fix it. Yeah. And, you know, and but how do you walk? I just don't understand how people that are purport to be representatives of the people, whether you're talking about at the local level in the black belt, in these black belt towns mm-hmm. or at the state level, 
They're all supposed to be working for the people. How do you just walk away? How do you turn a blind eye? How do you, to 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 a whole swath of your state <laughs> that is dealing disproportionately in dramatic percentages, disproportionately uh, uh, ho- horrific health problems. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about people that are, you know, a whole community of people that have black, who have brown stains on their teeth mm-hmm. because of the very thing we're talking about, mm-hmm. and who have who disproportionately have kidney problems because of the very thing we're talking about. They got hookworm. Yes, I mean, yes, that's, that's a and that's, 17th century disease. They got hookworm. Yeah. And, and this is just part of, I mean, you know, they got stuff in the air. Ah. You know, they're dealing, they're still dealing with the residual effects of the ash, uh, the ash. Uh, dump, yeah, the dump. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, they the got, coal ash. Yeah. yeah. The, coal the, ash. the train that fed yeah. them. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and they had the poop train at one point. And it's just, yeah. you know. It's just my God. I what know, in the man. hell? I mean, it just makes you angry. All right. I, that's enough. I'm, I'm <laughs> working myself into a frenzy. I'm sorry. I was hoping we were going to get to the cussing. If we can <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's uh, we'll slide out. We'll uh, we'll come back and and wrap things well, up. And, listen, I don't. Want uh, I know. Let's well, listen. That's uh, he. He would understand. He he'd excuse it. Yeah. Give you a pass on this. All right, we're back in there. in here another uh i thought it was a good interview with Catherine flowers uh i know it made you made you very angry and yeah i had uh, to just you know I, you know because i keep saying to myself you know i you know i have friends who are pastors my own pastor or others <laughs> i just don't i don't want to be on here saying everything every curse word i want to say huh? but, but man i'm telling you it just makes me angry i really believe that there is an evil. There's a, and, and I mean it in the moral, the deepest moral sense. There is an evil at play in the way this state has neglected the black belt. I just think it's it's beyond conscionable. It's it's just unconscionable to the nth degree. And I don't understand how any elected official with any kind of ability to affect positively what's going on in that area. I don't understand how they sleep at night if they're not doing something. Well, I think that uh, one of the words that you use to describe the area um, pretty well sums up why more has not been done, and it's a sad uh, commentary on the on the you know the way things are here in this state. But if those were a bunch of white people down there suffering, we'd have been fixed decades Mm ago. Uh, You know, it's just a fact of life. I mean, we set up our, Mm -hmm. and and listen, before anybody starts to roll their eyes or, Oh my God, I was raised again, you know, or what, um, how the entire constitution set up. 
you know, for the state and and we're still under it. Uh, you know, this is how the funding works. It's how the, how the, uh, property tax system works here. It's how, uh, everything is structured, uh, and how it is still structured today. And you can say all you want to about things have changed and times have changed. If the people wanted to change it, they would have gone and changed it. Okay. It wasn't important to them because they were mainly white people making the changes there. Mm. And so no matter how many times they pushed for it, how many good people out there wanted to make the change, there were enough bad people to keep it from happening. And so you still have those problems in those areas and in many other areas around the state because of the way uh, we chose to do things and the way we chose to fund things and the way we chose to treat certain people as second class citizens or not citizens at all. Uh, which brings us to the other topic that we were going to talk about. Yeah. But I guess first, before we do that, as we are talking here, uh, Kay Ivey is, and this is, we record this on Thursday afternoon, and Kay Ivey is preventing, uh, presenting her new loosened restrictions. <laughs> Oh, it's just, and there's, there's, you know, it's the same lady a few weeks ago who said that they were going to choose uh, data over dates, and that there was. Yeah, she did say that. Yeah, and, um, and and at the time, I think she lived it. Yeah, at that uh, moment, she did. No, no longer living it anymore. Oh. Uh, apparently, data is, uh, data is not conducive to making dollars, and so we're mm-hmm. we're going to roll these bad boys on back some more because there is there isn't a single data point you can you can uh, hand out to anybody to explain why you're loosening restrictions and allowing people to go. The theaters and the entertainment venues and concerts and uh you know uh, i i'm not saying in, in some sense that i disagree with some of the decisions in this mm-hmm. uh you know, you know I, we've talked a lot about beaches and restaurants and things like that and you know and i've expressed my opinion on you know what what's going on with you know a lot of these deals here you know but that aside if you're going to say we're going to use data and you're going to lean on that to keep things closed and to close them initially, then what the hell are you doing this for? You got to come up with a better excuse of because I want to, and they have it. And so it it is a a 100% financial uh, deal. You know, and even that would be more okay if they would just say that, if they would just come out and and stop making it seem as though, well, we're doing it because something somewhere else pointed to that. No, it didn't. It didn't. And nothing pointed to that. You just just come out and said, we need to make some more money here. And this is what we're going to do. We just heard Catherine Flowers talk about, you know, data mm-hmm. that, that that makes the case that things are worse. You shared data yeah. earlier in, in the podcast that said things are worse. And so you're right. This is not about, and they ought, they ought to just be honest. And the other thing that I wish they would do is I wish they would say, instead of just saying, well, okay, we're going to open these things up and we expect people to continue to practice social distancing and we expect businesses to practice sanitary guidelines. What are the freaking sanitary guidelines? What are they? <laughs> and spell them out. You know, I understand you don't, you don't have the ability to police every place, but if you put it out there, if you mm-hmm. spell it out, mm-hmm. there are a lot of business owners with good conscience or with guilty consciences. Mm-hmm. Who will do? Who will try to do what you're saying, mm-hmm. and maybe even just do it for the from because they don't want to deal with the liability mm-hmm. of of maybe somewhere down the line being part of a class yeah. action lawsuit. And, and let me tell you this: and there will be some liability for some of these people here, and and yeah. the folks who want to lean on these little orders from from the governor or from Trump or whoever about it's not uh, say no, that. it's not because it's this, not if you if you actually read the bills and you read the things that they say in there. Uh, down in there, it says it does not excuse you from egregious actions that causes harm on there. All right. 
that's all you could be sued for from the, yeah, from the first place, that's right, that's you know? Right, uh, right. And so it just that's is, right. it's nonsensical. And, uh, uh, and this whole deal, uh, and this, this was my point, but basically what you just said was my point, uh, that I made last time she eased these restrictions, mm-hmm. which was if you want to go out and say, tell people that we got it, we've got to change these things because now we, we see clearly that, um, our, our hospitals are to a point that they, we believe they can handle this uh, any surges, although apparently that's incorrect in Montgomery. Uh, that we can handle these things, and we feel comfortable in what we're doing here, or what we have done to this point to get them ready for a surge. Uh, but we know one is possible here, but we're still going to have to open because the economic catastrophe that's taking place here is damaging people to a degree that outweighs what it would happen mm-hmm. in, a, in, the, uh, in a surge scenario. All right. Tell people that. Yeah. Tell people yeah, that. About it. Say yeah. that. But yeah. don't come out and say, we know because of your actions and the way you've done things. No, that's nonsense. That's, it's it's bull. It's complete. And the data doesn't support it. Yeah. And it just, you know, it, it leads people to exactly what's happened. Where they you, you say, hey, you've done a great job and this virus isn't get, is getting better. And they go out and say, hey, everything's open. Well, let's go. Let's go eat some Mexican. All right. Mm-hmm. And everybody is, is out having a good time. Now, I've. More eats Mexican myself, but you know, I would like it if everybody would kind of keep their distance. And yeah. you know, if you just and it's pretty simple, just stay away from people. Wear a mask if you have, if you can, to the to wherever you're going, and uh, you know, it's wash your hands, stay at home as much right. as possible. Right. You know, just it's it's easy. Yeah. It's not that hard. Yeah. I mean, for God's sakes, we. And on a normal weekend, most of you would want to stay home and watch Netflix all the time <laughs> or go to the lake and just yeah. hang out on a boat yeah. by yourself, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. do that. Yeah. It's yeah. just, all right. So we're, we're going to move on because now, now I'm getting worked up. <laughs> uh, and I don't have a preacher to, to worry about. So, <laughs> so I'll let him fly, baby. <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, all right. So this week I wrote, and, and because we, we've been going going through this for a while now at, at, uh, at APR, uh, Eddie Burkhalter, uh, you know, covers prison stuff for us basically, uh, you know, almost exclusively at this one, although it's not really like his job or anything, but mm. he has so many contacts and, uh, so many people that call him and give him information and stuff. Uh, it's just kind of a constant now mm. for this at this point. And, and one of the, the weird things, uh, he started noticing sometime back is that every time prisoners left to go for other medical treatment, they had new cases of COVID-19 pop up. Mm. And yet, there was never any COVID-19 cases in the prisons themselves. Mm-hmm. However, there were now 36 guards or staff members uh, that work at prisons who have tested positive for this virus. Mm-hmm. But still, only one prisoner yeah. has how, it. How does that magic happen? Well, I, the only thing I can assume is what I wrote for today, a column that was published today, is that the prison, Alabama prisons are a cure for COVID-19. I mean, it <laughs> seems pretty obvious to me that that's what the case is. is the it, magic wand. Is yeah. The we just start marching people into Alabama prisons. And we'll knock this thing out by uh, the 4th of July. Right. Like right. our own little Independence Day. Right. Um, no, it's just what it always is. It's, yeah. We don't care about the prisoners. And, we don't. You know, and let's start with what you pointed out in your column. Okay. First of all, they're lying. 
Oh, well, of let's start are. there. They always lie. Yeah, yeah, let's start with the fact that they're lying, and then secondly, let's go with the they don't care. Yeah. No, they Which don't. You also pointed out. Well, they're not. They're well. They're lying to cover up the fact that they don't care. Yeah, you know, really, it's, it's all that nobody wants to come right out and say we don't give we a don't damn care. about these right. human beings that are right. over here that we're just gonna right. throw into cages and hope that everybody forgets that they're there. Right. You know, as treat we treat them worse than yeah. as you said, treat them worse than mammals. Yeah, that's. I mean, literally, yeah. if you yeah. pick a mammal. Uh, just pick any one, you know, uh, and, and throw them in there and throw them in a cage somewhere. Don't feed them. Don't give them proper medical care uh, and and leave them to where they can be attacked and, uh, you know, by other mm-hmm. mammals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you people would be outraged. Man, You'd be wondering what the hell is going on. It's just, you know, Peter would be all over. Yes. Right? So where's the Peter for the prisons? Where's the PETA equivalent for prisons? I mean, I don't, I don't, prisons. I just don't understand how, and we we do this in a lot of areas of life here, yeah. uh, you know, as where we just feel like we can dismiss people, human yeah, beings, human beings, and, and and say. <sighs> and the first problem, Josh, if I can say this, the first problem is we know because it's been documented plenty of times. Thanks to great organizations like, uh, you know, Equal Justice Initiative, Southern Poverty Law Center, and other entities. Mm-hmm. That first of all, everybody in prison isn't guilty, right? Right. There are innocent people in prison, mm-hmm. you know, who've been put there either because of some some failure of the legal process or worse, because of corruption, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that emanates from DAs and law enforcement in some cases. Yep. Now, having said that... Mm-hmm. Even if they were guilty, yep. even if every single person in there was guilty of what they've been charged with and more, mm-hmm. does that mean that they're supposed to be treated with any less dignity as a human being than you or I? Nope. Um, I, I don't understand. I don't understand what... you. Yeah, you because you 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 mentioned these things. I mentioned the lady dying on the stairwell, and you know, you know and people just kind of standing around watching yeah. her die. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you you have people. Well, she was a child abuser. Well, okay, yeah. okay. I mean, I, I listen. I I don't have any any feelings really for uh, for somebody that that abuses a child or whatever, but. I don't know the circumstances of of, of right. what what took place there, but, but I do know this. I do know that as a society, we determined that this is the punishment for child abuse, That's right. and that when you come out, you have served your punishment for child abuse. You have served your punishment for whatever is in here, uh, whatever you have done. This is the length of time we have determined that you have ne- you should now be rehabilitated from this whatever led you to commit this crime to begin with, whatever that was, whatever you were lacking, we were going to imprison you for a period of time, rehabilitate you. So you could then go back out and become a productive member of society. That's That's what our goal is, right? right? It isn't to lock people away for the rest of their lives, unless they are, have life sentences, you know, and we've determined that. Yeah. Because we determined them to be a threat, a threat forever for for the rest of their lives Mm -hmm. and, and and unsavable. Although I think we could see some data from other countries that would show that to be a a stupid way of doing things, different discussion, Mm -hmm. but we've determined this is what we're going to do, but we don't do that. And that, that, that kind of, that gets me back to our, uh, our right wing note of the week this week, which is. Well, can, before you do yeah. that, can I just say one thing real quick? Sure. 
we also we also I think forget what is implicit in the very idea of having a legal system, which is that regardless of how we feel as individuals, mm-hmm. as a collective, whether you're talking about a city, a state, a county, or the United States of America, mm-hmm. we are supposed to be as a legal collective, as a constitutionally bound collective, better than our worst instincts. Yes. So that means that regardless of how I feel about said child abuser mm-hmm. or murderer, rapist, etc., I am, I understand that there's a higher standard mm-hmm. and that there's a standard that's supposed to protect all of us and to keep us from following our baser instincts, which, you know, is, is, is what we used to follow mm-hmm. when we would go out and lynch people mm-hmm. because of perceived criminal activity, which often in the case wasn't even that. But nonetheless, as you said earlier, another discussion. (laughs) Bottom line is, (laughs) we're supposed to be better than this. Yes. Yeah. And we are. And it's, it, you know, I I just don't, what, what troubles me, and this is the, I'll fold the right wing of the week into this. Sorry. We're going to name the Bureau of Pardons and Paroles. Uh, Alabama Bureau of Pardons and Paroles is our right wing of the week, led by Charlie Graddock, who continued to deny not some, I would say 95% of all the people that come up for parole in the prisons. But worse than that, when they then refer to these people, they refer to them as uh, murderers, convicted manslaughter, uh, sex offenders, and things. All right. You're not doing you're, I, I understand that what they're trying to do is paint themselves as protecting people from these other folks here that that are, that are up for parole, okay? You're not you're not doing anybody any favors by doing that, all right? All you're doing is further vilifying someone who has already been vilif- properly vilified, okay? You're not If you're the Bureau of Pardons and Paroles, your job is to look at what's taking place here. What 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 are what are our goals? Our goal is to take this person who has been in prison for a crime that we have we've determined that he has committed in a court of law and to serve a the mandatory sentence for that crime. In that process, that person is supposed to become rehabilitated for society. Mm -hmm. It does not serve any purpose once that as that person traverses this system to continue to call them murderers and, and to, and to put the labels on them that demean them to the rest of society, because that doesn't serve a societal purpose. Okay. It doesn't, if you're going to release, these people are going to be released at Mm -hmm. some point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what purpose does it serve to label them in, in these ways here and to demean them and to make it seem as though there's never a good way for these people to be released back into society, even though you're going to do it. Yeah. Because you don't have any choice. Yeah. As prison overcrowding in the state has repeatedly shown us. Yes. So you're labeling people, you're reinforcing negative values, and self-perceptions mm-hmm. they then take out into the world and what do they do many of them revert yeah because you've not you've not upheld what should be our goal and it's yeah. uh, that this is our state i'm not making this up yeah. this is not like some liberal goal our goal in the prison system here is to rehabilitate prisoners that's the reason that's the reason we have the programs that's yeah. the reason we have the, the work programs and the and the educational classes and all of these things that are there it's that 
to make it to where these people are better. And then we then we put them with parole officers and with other people that they have to check in with yeah. to make sure that they're getting jobs, that they're becoming productive members of society, that they're staying away from bad influences and all of these things. We spend a ton of money on this because it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Because at our we say this all the time. The core value that we live by here is that every life is precious. Which only seems to up to, to be true up until the point they are born. Yep. All bets are off after that, buddy. And, and I All just bets are off. I, I, if if that's true, what you're doing here and the way you're treating people in these prisons and the way that the, all the entire system is now set up mm-hmm. demeans human life itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you are saying to me that these people, most of whom I guarantee you, I guarantee you 95% of the people in prison, you can track back to what happened to them in, in childhood yep. and, and, and see what, yep. and you can draw a straight line from it every single time. From education yep. to dysfunction in the home, yep. poverty, yep. all of that. And, and those, are, those are probably the three drivers. Right oh, there. no, no doubt. And people will say, oh, there's freedom of choice. They could have chosen. You know what? You, that's a that's a great thing to say when you're when you have the guidance mm-hmm. uh, and, and the nurturing and the love and the uh, and the help from people who know better than you and who have an education and who can uh, who can send you in a direct pathway when you're a child and you don't know any better. It's yeah. a great thing to have. But when you're that child, what you're looking for is acceptance and love. And you know what? And sometimes you find it with bad people doing bad things. I can I can I can guarantee you that uh, you know I'm an educated. I'm an educated, successful man by most standards, mm-hmm. okay? But I can guarantee you that had my father, who was not always the most pleasant man, <laughs> but had my father not had his foot halfway up my you-know-what, mm-hmm. that I would have taken, because this is human nature, in many cases, I'd have taken the easy way out. Sure. My father refused to accept the easy way out for mm-hmm. me on grades, or anything else where I was supposed to be performing and succeeding. And that helped to instill in me the kinds of values and the kinds of of standards that Mm -hmm. helped me to be successful. That's what children need. And if Mm -hmm. they're not getting that in their formative years, Mm -hmm. you know, along with copious amounts of love and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and whatnot... Then you know, uh, you know, we're 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 basically guaranteeing that they're going to follow another path. Well, what I, I and you're you're 100 percent right. I, I don't mean that well to to you know to like like I'm going to contradict anything that you just said because it's 100 percent correct. I, I, I uh, what I will often tell people is is uh, you know when we get into these discussions, or I'll say, was life hard for you? I mean, was it was it you know did you struggle? to get to the success that you've had. Was it easy to come by? Was your success easy? And nobody said their success is easy. Nobody. And I said, all right, now remove every single person that guided you, that Mm -hmm. helped you, remove the education that you received, Mm -hmm. remove all of it. Mm -hmm. And now tell me how likely it would be for you Mm -hmm. to do it. You know, not only that, then put some impediments up and race and everything else, you know, and and you've got some, some extra hurdles and tell me how easy it would be. And now you understand what so many kids face. And, but you know, if you don't care, you don't care. And if you're an asshole, you're an asshole. And that's just how it is, you know? So that's, that's the way it goes. But listen, hey, 
Oh, fun show. Hey, hey. Uh, I think this is the first time we've ended the show with the a-hole. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, Chip, maybe Chip can believe that. I don't know. Oh, uh, before I, before we get out of here, I do want to say uh, uh, publicly here, congratulations to uh, to Chip Brown. Chip. Hey, uh, I wrote a, wrote a nice story kind of making fun of uh, of Chip a little bit. Uh, not making fun. I congratulated him. He's a, yeah. he's a grad uh, now of, uh, of Columbia Journalism School. Got a master's uh, in uh, that's, that's political no journalism. Feet, buddy. Yeah, no. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, and as you said, I don't know why he had to go out of the country to do it. I mean, but that's, you know. Oh, New York City. <laughs> no, it's Columbia, man. You got to go to Columbia. I don't understand that. But uh, whatever, you know, I would have done, I would have chosen American. Uh, but that's just MAGA, you know. Uh, but that's how it goes. Uh, so. Well, I, I've, I've, actually, uh, I've actually visited, it was a long time ago, but I visited Columbia uh, University years ago. And, uh, and it's a it's a it's another world in a different sense <laughs> well, <laughs> compared yeah. to what we know down here. Yes. But congratulations to uh, Chip. I mean, that's that's quite an attempt. Yeah, I look forward to working for him one day. Well, yeah. it's it's inevitable. No, no, no doubt about yeah, that. Kind of, kind of am now. I just do what he tells me here. That <laughs> 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 goes. All right, listen, uh, it, it's uh, another fun show. Thanks to Catherine Flowers. Thanks to Chip yeah. for producing this thing as well. Yeah. And uh, and you know, another fun week. See you guys next week. Take care. 